With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire Football Podcast Week 9 edition. Time to celebrate. Yes, you heard that right. Jeremy Moss here, Matt Kennerly, MWWire.com. And apparently everybody visits our website because, as Matt, you tweeted earlier today, or Sunday night, we broke a record. Woohoo! Yeah, most uh, page views in one month. I actually didn't think we were ever going to beat March. Me neither. March Madness was amazing, but now it's a thing of the past, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, and probably a thing of the future, if we're being totally honest. Oh, for sure. It, it's it's awesome. We appreciate it because I remember March Madness. We Here's the thing, which I appreciate even more. March Madness was awesome. Me and Eli were in Vegas, so I'm pretty sure that helped us being able to just focus this for a couple days. And also, if you're listening now, basketball podcast coming soon. Full season preview shortly. We're, we're kind nice. of we're kind of cramming them in there because we're busy. But the greatest thing is that it wasn't during March Madness is about a what a six day period of where we're just crushing like any Google search for Mount West basketball was us. Oh yeah, so we had huge, which is awesome. We're it worked great this month. Yeah, we've had a couple huge days like Cole McDonald not playing. Thank you, I guess. <laughs> Well, but just a general thing to everybody who wants to figure out where to watch Hawaii football. Yeah, we, yes, they either, they come to our website, we either say, hey, it's on CBS, it's on Fubo, it's on ESPN, or we need to get a cut from Google Play and iTunes because we're driving a lot of traffic to that Watch Stadium app, I'm telling you. Nice. <laughs> who do we call for that? <laughs> I have no idea. But no, it's great. It's awesome. It's consistent. Hope people are still sticking around always and. Hope we're doing good stuff, but now we're... Should we start celebrating with ranking talk? Is that where we begin? Yeah, let's do it. Mountain West. As you... Well, you wrote out the playoff committee. Hey, rank us dummies. It... Sorry, San Diego State, but two teams are ranked this week. Mm-hmm. A, because Fresno State and Utah State won. B, basically two-thirds of the top 45 in AP poll and coaches poll, I'm guessing, the same teams who were ranked previously. Okay, not two-thirds. What, what was it? Really? Seriously, what? Almost half? No, if I remember correctly, it was 10. It's almost half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just It was ridiculous. It was – I should I should pull it up here. But everybody who, who was something that lost almost. App State gets ranked. They lose. You have a – Texas lost or still ranked. Um, let's see. What are, what are some big ones? I, I called it, Matt. Texas A&M, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Stanford lost to Washington State. Knocked them out of the rankings. Washington, are they out of the rankings now? Losing to stu- freaking Cal? No, they're not. Ugh. Well, at least they're, they're. Well, they're. That's the thing. They were. They're still in the coaches' poll for some god awful reason. Wait, there. Hold on. Which one? They're. They're actually still one spot ahead of Utah State. What? Yeah. Lose to an unranked but, Cal but team. But they. But they. But they dropped all the way out of the AP poll. So I have no idea. And like that's just the kind of thing that makes me think they weren't staying up to watch the late games. Okay. Because there's no way if Washington should still be ranked. Also, it was twelve to ten. You know what I mean? It's twelve to ten. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You had um, Iowa losing. Who is? Uh, you had Oregon somehow losing to crappy Arizona. Pac twelve. I love my Utes who easily cruised over UCLA. They have now won. Matt. They are five and one the past three years over Southern California teams. Congratulations, Coach Woody Nam. But they are probably the best team in the Pac twelve. 
Well, I mean, Wazoo still has something to say about that. They do. They, 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 they crack the top 10 of the eight people. They are quite good, and Utah should beat them on the road, but this is not a Pac-12 podcast. We'll, no. we'll, we'll say this. There will be a re- you should go to the rematch, Matt, if it's because it's, it's reasonably close to you. You, you can venture to Levi Stadium to watch Washington State in Utah. I will I will see what I can do. <laughs> on a Friday night with with 4,000 of your closest friends because it'll be an empty stadium. <laughs> but, yeah, and then, of course, you know, Wisconsin lost. They were number 20, number 21, South Florida, which we tried to tell you guys but if you weren't, if you weren't paying attention. And NC and, State's a fraud as well. <laughs> and NC State. But you know what? Syracuse is actually pretty good. They Houston's are. also pretty good as well. But so Let me ask you this. Should Houston have jumped Utah State to be as high as they are? Should they have been the number two group of five team ranked? Hell no. <laughs> Because they even won without Ed Oliver, too, so that's also a little something. I mean, here's the thing. you know, I think it's that you know the people who were filling out the rankings, they look and they see, oh, okay, they beat a team that was just outside of the top 20. And it's like, well, no, because everybody knew who was paying any attention at all that the Bulls might have been the worst undefeated team left in the country, and it wasn't even close. So... You know, no surprise that they went out and got boat raced by, you know, I will say Houston's a pretty good team, but I think that when you look at what they've done so far, they have the same kind of schedule concerns that we would talk about with, you know, Fresno, uh, Utah State. With Fresno, Utah State, UCF. Like, what is their next best win? Is it Arizona? And what is it? I guess right right now now? they're like a 500 team or something. They are, after beating um, Oregon, they are, I think, five and three. So I mean, I guess that's it's not bad. Oh, no, actually Arizona's four and five. Oh, what was that? Oh, that's Cal I was looking at. Sorry. Yeah. So no, so, Navy, I mean, they, Navy, so they, Navy? they beaten they beaten well, Navy's not the same kind I of know. team this year. But is that their second best win? Navy or Arizona? It's I mean, it's probably Arizona, and Arizona's below five hundred in the Pac twelve. Yeah. And Navy so, well, maybe not Navy's two and six. I thought they were a tad better. So no, I don't think that beating South Florida warrants leapfrogging both teams. In the top 25, no. Not just leapfrogging those teams. Iowa, um, Mississippi State, Syracuse, Virginia. Like Not leapfrogging, but well, I guess technically, sort of. Here's the thing. Put, Utah, put Houston at 22. I'm fine. Cool. Utah State 18 is still pretty high for me, I'm thinking. That's kind of high. Because who have they really played? You know what I mean? They're, they're, here's the thing. The difference between Houston and Utah State, I would say, Utah State's boat racing everybody by 20-plus points a game. Houston's well, not the quite there. And that was something that I mentioned in the the article that I wrote for the weekend's games is even with the the closer win against Wyoming two weeks ago, Utah State was still winning their games by an average of 27 points per game. So it wasn't it was it was more than simply who they beat. It was how they were beating them. And, you know, when you compare that and and even with the, the kind of lackluster scheduling, you know, if you compare that to Houston's schedule or if you compare that to UCF's schedule, you know, that that average margin of victory is going right back up, which with the win over New Mexico, which we'll talk about in a minute, they're just, you know, they're doing what they can. Like, it's the best case scenario with the schedule that they have in that they are just taking teams to the woodshed week in and week out. I would say Houston is more like, or it's more like Utah State because looking who they play and how much they're beating by, they're the same trajectory. They're actually averaging, these two teams are, Right at forty nine and a half points, Houston slightly more. So Houston's almost doing what Utah State's doing. 
No, but Houston, but Houston's not dominating on defense not in as the much. same way that Utah State is. Not, not as much. No, but they're... and that's and that's what I'm saying. Among the teams in this conversation, I would contend that Utah State has the best case. You want to know what I'm going to say here? Houston's better than UCF, and it's not close. Because when Houston has a defense, when that Oliver plays, they're going to crush UCF. And they've actually played decent teams, like. Florida Atlantic, they have the one running back. They crushed Pitt, who's awful. SMU's not very good. Memphis is, a, they barely beat Memphis, who's not very good. Like, I would, I'd put Houston over UCF in a heartbeat. I think that they're barely even, but I think if we're going to find out, we have, you know, begrudgingly have to root for Houston to keep winning because they're not going to face each other until the hypothetical American Championship game. All right, let's switch back to Mountain West. We'll come back to them in a moment here. Um, are you okay with Utah State being higher than Fresno State? I mean, Minnesota. Man. I mean, if I had a if I had a vote, yeah, yeah, I guess I would say that I'm okay with that. Okay. I think like if it were up to me, I would probably put them like right next to each other, like either like 17, 18, 18, 19, or something like that. And I, I mean, personally, I would have Fresno State ahead mm-hmm. just because they have a different kind of profile. It's not quite so much offensive driven as it is defensive driven. Mm-hmm. But although that might be starting to change, which Again, we'll talk about that more in a minute, the game they had last night against Hawaii. But, I mean, I think you could make a pretty strong argument either way, so I don't really have any strong complaints with Utah State being ahead of Fresno State for right now. Me neither. I figured it's close. I and I know you You know what's funny? I put out my weekly power poll. Some rando, but here's my power poll for MWCY. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. I don't know who that guy is, but thanks. <laughs> Hey, you know what? We always appreciate some audience input. We do. It's just kind of funny. He's like, but they made it seem like like you, me, Raj, Brandon. I think Colin did. It's like, hey, here's our poll. I'm like, okay, I, no, I, I'm not bashing at all. It's just kind of a, at least for me, a little chuckle. I'm like, okay, thanks, dude. But yeah, that's fine. We, we're fine. Even though we'll talk about our rankings in a minute because apparently some Nevada fans are, are spicy over them not being ranked higher than San Diego State. Yeah, that was just in my personal opinion. Me too. Me, almost everybody did the same thing so far. Who's voted? But. Let me ask you this question. So now that we have two teams ranked, which is awesome, could have been a third. So close. Aztecs just uh, skating up the nice, and it didn't, and they kind of fell through, I guess. But looking at what lies ahead, we have the we'll have our predicting the playoff poll, and or I guess we won't talk about it here too much, but I guess we are now. They came out Tuesday, so look for your match prediction and whoever else on our staff contributes. Like, hey, here's our top twenty-five. They'll come out Tuesday night. The best two teams. There's still a chance. We won't get 2D, but I would still say Boise State has a chance because they still get Fresno, Utah State, maybe Fresno a second time, so they're not completely out of it. Boise absolutely has a chance. But they need and, some and, help, and when, and when you look at the, the coaches' poll and the AP poll, I think that people are sleeping on Boise. Be, and and if you and I only say that because if you look at the uh, you know more the advanced numbers like S and P plus and you know the Sagarin rankings and like the you know right now Boise State is still pretty much neck and neck with Utah State at a minimum I think mm-hmm. among the Mountain West teams everybody's chasing Fresno right now but you know by Sagarin Utah State is thirty four Boise State's thirty seven and if I remember correctly I don't have the S and P plus rankings in front of me but I'm pretty sure there's a similar a similarly close ranking between the Aggies and the Broncos as far as that's concerned as well. So I think that they're maybe not getting quite as much respect, even if, you know, even if it comes to also receiving votes, 
they're, they're, they're sleeping on him. And Boise still has maybe the best chance to make up ground of anybody left in the conversation. Of course, everybody's going to be chasing UCF one way or the other. Yeah, because Boise has, like I mentioned, Utah State at home. They get Fresno at home. At home. <laughs> they get BYU yeah, this don't, week. Don't loses. sleep on the Broncos. No, because that'll be that could be obviously if things go to plan, two top twenty-five teams, and maybe Fresno will get back to the top twenty-five, assuming they win the division. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if things get weird, San Diego State could still. It just depends. They're going to be ranked as well if that comes up. It comes down to those teams, but with the American Conference. It's UCF. I'm still. I, I still think. I honestly think when I do my poll, I'm gonna put them like 15th because I think that's where they'll be at. And I think Kentucky will be way higher than they are 11. I think Florida, unfortunately, will be higher than they should be. Um, I just think UCF will be 15th. So here's the thing: what will be great to watch is UCF will be close to or to, to all these teams in the conference. Houston will be, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter my specific rankings now. But what I'm getting at: what would it take? For like any Mountain West team, let's just say it's Utah State because right now they clearly have the best chance because they're ranked the highest at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be ranked higher than Fresno in the playoff poll just because the loss factor. I guess it's that's the best loss. I guess if that's what you want to get to, they'll be ranked higher. I think they might be ranked higher than Houston, barely. They'll be close. They may be flip flop. They're seventeen, eighteen, somewhere in that range. But what would it take? Because if UCF loses, they could still get to the title game. So would it need? Would it be taking a two loss? Like American champ, or would it be like say? Because here's the thing: say you, I don't want to get too deep in here, but let's just say it's Houston UCF, and you, but UCF loses to say a decent Cincinnati team or at South Florida, but UCF still gets into the title game. I think it. I think it depends on who UCF loses to, and I think we and could have maybe. that. I think that answer could come as soon as this Saturday when they host Temple oh, Thursday. We, Actually. Is it Thursday? Yeah, it's a Thursday oh, okay. game. Yeah, yeah, well, November first. I was, you know, bring bring cramp. That's okay. But they're the only other team, the Owls, that are undefeated in the American East right now. So all of, you know, so if they can beat UCF on the road, all of a sudden we're having a much different conversation this time next week. I think what it would, I think the ide- ideal thing would be for, clear, well. Yeah, because they are. What are they? They are. Yeah, they're four and on conference since UCF. It'll come down to. It could be come down to some weird tiebreaker because there's four teams with one loss or less in that division. Mm-hmm. I think Houston's going to going to go and take care of business and get into the title game. I don't. I think what it will come down to is a not a UCF having a loss before the title game. I still, I still think they will at some point. Okay, we'll talk about it later. We, there's too many games left to do it, but. It's now a closer race than people thought. Well, I'm serious. Watch the playoff rankings. UCF will not be top 10. I, I would say this. 15 to 23 will be all these group of five teams. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. So, I think it would probably be like 15 to 20. 20? Yeah. Somewhere there. Okay. Yeah, I could see that too. We'll see. But I don't think anybody would be higher than 15. If they are, be, I'll be fairly shocked because whatever. Could, I already mentioned those two couple teams. But let's get to games. So we talked to actual games now? Yeah, let's do it. All right. The bronze boot. How awake were you during the first half of this game? Uh, I, I mean, I was alert. Was it hard to stay alert? Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit. Okay. Three to zero at the half. One, one ends up putting 34-21. Good for them. Um, we'll talk about Mike Bobo's $8 million buyout and the albatross that is. But you know what my favorite play was in this game? What was that? So in the second half, when it was still a low-scoring game, I like Sean Chambers so much because he sideswipes the – 
defensive lineman twice his size to juke and go for like another eight yards. Mm-hmm. Did you see that play? <laughs> I did not. No. So it's like it's it's basically a run play, and the the guy line, the defensive end or defensive lineman comes like a clear shot at him. All he does is kind of takes a step back, takes his right like kind of like a swim move essentially, takes mm-hmm. a sidestep, puts his right arm, and basically throws him to the side and goes. Like he was arms wrapped up, going to be tackled. He's like pushed him aside. The guy's like twice his size. So I like Sean Chambers for that. But this game, uh, I what is Colorado State doing? What, I really they, don't know. They had minus twelve rushing yards at the half. I I get Wyoming's defense is really, really, really good, but they're not that good, are they? To hold a team to minus, maybe they, I guess they are if they hold a team to minus twelve yards, but. CSU, they made Colin Hill throw a million times, which he did fine, 34-54, two picks, which is dreadful. But you've got to run the ball at some point in this game, and they're – I don't know what the deal is. Is it Mike Bobo not being a good coach? Is it the offensive line's probably a combination? But this CSU Rams couldn't get anything done until the – it's always – for them, it's always too late, right? They're always down early and can never come back. That's the story of their whole season. Yeah, like I, I don't know if anybody saw it, but uh, after the loss, I can't remember if it was on Friday night or Saturday morning, I went and I posted a list of all of the mid-game deficits that Colorado State has faced this year so far. Mm-hmm. And basically there has been two games out of, what is it, eight or nine at this point, where the Rams have not been down by at least 21 points at some point throughout the game. It's just, it's... It's it's a disaster, and I think that in in this particular instance, there's a couple of things that are, at least in my opinion, particularly egregious. One of them, like you said, they weren't able to run the ball, and it wasn't. As, and Wyoming didn't even have Johanna Guy fan. Yeah, you know, was, he was, oh yeah, he was suspended, you know, shortly before game time because of you know some altercation at the hotel in uh, Fort Collins. Mm-hmm. So I mean. Obviously, Wyoming still has a lot of talent on their defensive front, which is perhaps evident because they were still able to rack up like what nine and a half, ten tackles for loss, like nine nine tackles for loss. Good, yeah, um, that's good, I believe. <laughs> but I mean, the, the other egregious thing is, you know, how are you going to let Nico Evans and Sean Chambers run for like almost three hundred yards between the two of them? Hey, Nico Evans is good. I mean, I know Nico Evans is good, but you want to know how egregious the latter part is? Do you realize if you go to College Press Box and you look at the uh, the PDF box scores that they have, that they don't even have Sean Chambers listed as the quarterback? He's <laughs> listed as running back? No, no, no. They have they have the other number 12 on Wyoming's roster listed as the quarterback, Jelani Ellison. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and so, I mean, and it, and it wasn't as though Wyoming owned any particularly significant advantages. Like, by success rate, they only bested the Rams by 5%. You know, it was 46 to 41%. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the big keys, of course, were the fact that they were way more disruptive up front with those nine tackles for loss. They and forced three six fumbles. Hurries. Six hurries, too. Yeah, six hurries, three three turnovers. Couple so, I mean, in, in that case, it was a lot like deja vu all over again. It's just, you know, obviously, you know, kudos to Wyoming for coming out and, and even if it took a while, basically dominating the second half. Yeah. It was it, – because to me it was once they had that first long scoring drive at the beginning of the third quarter, nine plays, 75 yards. Efficient. It was, it was basically game over after that. Yeah, because you do that – yeah, they punt twice, then they recover the fumble, they score a touchdown. Like, it just snowballed from there after the little hiccup. Fumble, points off turnover, touchdown, interception – points off turnovers and one one play after the interception as well that was that long nico evans run 
And so the last interception for Colin Hill, it's the end of the game, so I don't really count that too much. But what – like. I, I don't I don't know what to do with the Rams. Colin Hill played okay. Like I said, he threw for th- over 300 yards. Again, quarterback's not really the issue in this team. It's running the ball, protecting the quarterback, and like they have a terrible defense. And like I said, they can't they can't get rid of Mike Bobo. He has a buyout of eight million dollars, and he still only has one victory against a bull team or rival. Can I can I speculate on something? Go ahead, always. I, I want your feedback on this working thesis of mine. <laughs> Go for it. Is Mike Bobo the new Tim DeRuiter? Ooh, you think there's enough talent on this team, but he's just not getting it done? Like, is Mike Bobo just not fit to be a head coach? I would say by his indecisiveness at quarterback since day one, that's a big that's always a big red flag for me. He's like, Oh yeah, this true freshman is gonna start immediate day and he does it. He seems to be you could be onto something because he is very indecisive except for this game at call a quarterback he played Hill the whole time. But he always says, Well, we'll see he he always leaves I don't know if it's coach speak or it's his really real thoughts because he always leaves wiggle room for something. Because, oh, I'll play Colin Hill, but I still have the right to put in Carter Samuels, which he clearly does. But he always leaves a wiggle room to, like, I have a back, back a second plan or backup plan, at least to that position. But they have, like, their running game, it shouldn't be this bad. They have, they have arguably a top, the best receiver in the conference who Preston Williams had a huge game. They have good receivers, too. They have good receivers, good running back. Defense has been an issue even before him, but you're not. I don't think you're too far off. But the thing is, they can't afford to get a new head coach. Oh, no, they can't. And that's what I'm saying. I'm, it seems more and more like he's the new DeRuiter because they have backed themselves into this corner that unless they can get a lot of boosters to pony up and, and, and pay for the buyout, they're going to be stuck for the foreseeable future. Because, you know, I, I was reading some of the reactions after the game and there was this column from the uh, from the Denver Post, Matt Stevens. Yep, I saw that. And did, did you see this quote from from Bobo? after the game he says you want me to say we can't improve and the season is over we have three games left we're gonna fight we're gonna play we're gonna get better are you sure you're gonna get better because like you've had the same problems all year long there hasn't really been anything to suggest that it's going to get better the next three weeks it's been the same like I said, been the same story every week they start slow and have to come back and sometimes they do sometimes but usually it's not the case like Hawaii like, mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing your tweet too like they're behind so big they were down only 3-0 and playing terrible, and still they came out flat at the start of the ne- another quarter, the kickoff. So, it, like, here's the thing. They have Colin Hill for more years. They have Kinsey coming back for another year. Um, is Preston Williams, he, is he a senior this year? He'll be back next uh, year? Yeah, he's, he's a junior. Assuming if he does stay, just because if he's having that great of the season, why not? Like, they have a lot of talent coming back, at least at this point. So, to get better, they need to do something different to start the game quicker. Like, they can't have all these three-and-out drives or minus 12 yards at the half. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you could give the defense a little bit of credit because, you know, they did play one half of football pretty well. You know, on on Wyoming's first, what, six drives? not Or actually, first five drives, not including the one right at the end of the half. You know, they held them to just the one 11-play 50-yard drive for a field goal. And they forced a lot of, you know, four four pumps beyond that. And so that's a positive. But it was just, it seemed like once one thing went wrong, everything started going wrong for this team. Yeah. And that and that is, you know, I don't know what that's symptomatic of. But, you know, something's got to change at some point, And I just don't think it's going to be able to change by the end of the season. 
I think you're correct. But also, I wouldn't blame the defense. Yeah, they gave up 34 points. But here's the thing. You mentioned how well they played in the first half to one field goal. Yes, they allowed that touchdown to start the third quarter, which wasn't good. Particularly also missing a field goal into the half as well. That didn't help either. If they kick that, who knows? It's whatever. He, that It happened. They missed it. Okay, they give up the, the touchdown. Yes, offense played great. Then they come back, force a punt. Then the offense screws them over. Two plays fumble. One play interception. It's like that's 14 points in a matter of, what, two minutes? If that. Yeah. Like not even two minutes from off the clock. And it's like, oh, crap. We're, we're, it was just 10-0. to zero. Yes, we're down. Now we're down 24-0 to in a blink of the eye. That's tough. Yeah, I don't know where I don't know where they go from here, man. I don't know. Let's let's move on to the next game. That's where we should go, right? Yeah, probably. Is it Utah State time? Yeah, well, but we should probably say kudos to Wyoming. Bronze boot is theirs. To keep. Also, let me say this. Um, Wyoming, maybe I was wrong. They had to win four in a row. They now have to win three in a row, and they could win the rest of their games and go bowling, possibly. Maybe. I guess we'll find out. They are. I did a bolt really quick. I did the look at the FBI. They're favored against San Jose State. And New Mexico, which makes sense. It's base. It's forty nine point nine to fifty point one in favor of Air Force in that game. Hmm. So maybe those guys were right when I said they, they weren't going bowling. But it's just just something to watch out for. There could be there could be eight bowl eligible teams for the Mountain West. So, all right. So should we go on to the Aggies who just uh, throttled New Mexico? So much blood. I love that game so much. <laughs> Jordan Love played. Did he he did not play in the second half, did he? No, he did not. <laughs> I was kidding. I tweeted, hey, does anybody know if Maverick Stadium has three digits for scoring scoreboard? Well, actually, I take that back. He did play in the uh, first drive of the second half. Okay, I didn't hear where that. They went, they, where they forced a, a fumble, or was it Pick. an interception? It, it was an interception, yeah. And then a field goal. Where they got the ball at the uh, inside the red at, zone. At the 11-yard line, yeah. So that, this offense, like... Good Lord, this offense. It, I think um, I would like to say the player of the week would go to Jordan Love for the fourth fourth time, but I'm assuming it's going to go to Josh Love when we talk about the Spartans next. But what is it like? <laughs> Sixty-one to nineteen. This game was I want. It's a good thing home of the Facebook. There'll be a top twenty team on Facebook pretty soon. So go. Yeah, check. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't get to watch the beginning of this game because I was at work and I had some other things to focus on, and then I, I checked it you know, kind of expecting to see that, you know, whatever, like maybe Utah State would be up 14 to three or, or 21 to three or something like that. <laughs> nope. And then by the, by the time I checked it, it was nine minutes to go in the second quarter and they were already up 42 to three. And I was like, how did that happen? They had, do they have 35 first quarter points? They had 28 first quarter points I thought they and, did. and no, 24 more. No, no, no. 35 first quarter points. Oh no. The drive, sorry. Two, three plays into the for second quarter. Yeah. They were... Again, people say, "Oh, who they played?" I don't care. They're crushing everybody. Like, yeah, and that's and that's what you got to do. If the if the opponent if the opposition isn't quite where you would hope it would be, you just got to go out and just show that you're the superior team. It's like when Boise State in the whack, they're winning forty to ten. It's like there's nothing more they can do to prove how good they are. Yeah. Like, what else would you want them to do? Pick off Sharon Jones a fourth time or fifth time? It's like, what else do you want them to do? They had eight TFLs. They had how many? They lost. Okay, here's the only one issue I'll take. They lost the ball three times on the ground. Utah State did. That that was terrible. But besides that, like they still were plus two despite having three fumbles lost. That's true. <laughs> they because also 
okay, some people were – it was bad. You t- uh, New Mexico wide receivers were dropping passes left and right. Mm-hmm. But it's like I don't think it would have mattered if Dylan Hart Johnson caught – went four for 80 instead of two for 42. Well, they had Sharon Jones on the run and seemed like every oh, time he, he dropped back to pass. He had issues being protected and scrambling. He actually got benched for Colton Gerhardt, who mm-hmm. ended up with base, with the same amount of yards but did have one touchdown. Yeah. This, like, every time I blinked, like, I was watching this game. I was kind of working and doing things. I'm like, okay, has come on Facebook. I get an alert, Utah State alert, Utah State. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? They scored again and 54, 52 points at a half, man. Yeah, it was funny because you had you had brought up how when we when we tweeted the article that I wrote about the keys to a Lobos win and you had framed <laughs> it, you had framed it. Can the Lobos upset Utah State? And then of course, of course, a bunch of Aggies fans came in. They were like, "LOL." But I mean, if you go and actually read the article, I was I was kind of right about what <laughs> what New Mexico State needed to do and just weren't able to do. Um, you know, for instance, Ronquavian Tarver who had seven catches, 120 or 112 yards, excuse me, and a touchdown. He was actually good enough to make the uh, pro football focus national team of the week. Um, I wrote about him. So maybe <laughs> I was a little bit right about that. Um, you know, they had like just a lopsided field position disadvantage. They, you know, had a lopsided, you know, Sharon Jones just did not have any success at all in, in more obvious passing situations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it was a little bit laughable, but I at least I was yeah. mostly mostly right about well, what New, what New Mexico needed to do and just weren't able to do at all. Yeah, I did finally point out in a tweet. I'm like, I keep seeing these, and they all came out Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning. I put a retweet. I'm like, hey, yes, this is kind of funny. It's probably fun ribbing, but we do this every week for every game. Oh, so, yeah. so it's not like it's a. Are we? Hey, can they do it? It's like no. We will have the same article when San Jose State plays Hawaii or Boise State plays New Mexico. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We have this every week because hey, there are reasons teams could win. If it's are they likely? Some more than others, but this case just happened to be a funny, not I guess sort of funny. He went sixty-one to nineteen. It's like I don't know what else to say about this game, but New Mexico. I I think they went Gerhart just because it's a blowout. Get him in there. Let him have some playing time. See what happens. Running game was stifled. Tyron Owens only had 38 yards. There was no wrong, long breakout plays. The longest was just 11. They had, they had a million drop passes, but they they did. Here's one thing that New Mexico defense did do good. Like I said, they forced three fumbles. They did get seven TFLs, and and they did, did get to uh, I don't know who the sack was on Love or uh, Columbia, but the defensive line was making sub noise because overall the rushing game wasn't that great for Utah State. Like Gerald Bright only had 57 yards. Yeah, but I mean, when you're averaging on like 20 oh. yards of completion, do you really need a running? I'm just saying. I'm just looking for a couple of things to say. Hey, I'm just looking around. That's all. I'm not saying and, it's what it's. It is what it is. The passing game was flying with colors. But then again, if you're not running that well, they still had seven TFL. So it's still something to say. Hey, Utah State struggled when they had, when they wanted to run the ball. I mean, it seemed like there were a couple of you know differing takeaways for both teams in this matchup. You know, one thing that I think is worth keeping an eye on a Shaq Bond who you know not only had the 100 yard interception return oh yeah we haven't even mentioned that geez but um apparently he well he was lost later that came to injury and according to Matt Wells it, it the initial prognosis did not look very promising so you know if they lose him you know he's a key component of a of a of a unit that even if they don't have you know, stars in the same caliber of a Tyler Horton or anything like that. That's he was still 
an integral part of a unit that has been like one of the best in the conference in probably the group of five so far this year. So it's not like he's going to be real easy to replace. And for New Mexico, what was really interesting to me is I was seeing some of the exchanges between New Mexico beat writers. And I can't remember who brought it up, but you mentioned that Colton Gerhardt went and got some extended playing time. Mm -hmm. And apparently there's some initial speculation that if Jones isn't getting it done in the same way that he's really struggled in the last few weeks, that they might tinker with the offense to go back to a more running based attack. And, sure, why not? And, and, and I mean, <laughs> I, I guess you could say you could throw caution to the wind, but, you know, if you look at what New Mexico did in this game and when you when you look at what they've done over the course of the season, they're just not they're not getting the same production on the ground. So, like, what makes you think you're going to be able to snap your fingers, change your offense and start averaging two yards more per carry? Oh, and since also they've been recruiting and bringing in a ton of receivers. So it's not like they have the depth either. I, well, I, I mean, can... I mean, I don't think the depth is a problem. It's just that, you know, Tyrone Owens, again, couldn't crack three and a half yards per carry. Mm-hmm. It, neither could Zanir Schuler. You know, Amari Davis only had two carries, 11 yards, you know, whatever. Um, I, so, I mean, I don't think it's that they don't have the pieces to do it. It's just that with the way the offense has developed this year, that, you know, reverting to what you were doing before that was so successful, I think is going to be a lot harder than anybody would anticipate it being. Well, even last year, the running game took a step back. Yeah. So it's uh, part of it is is what if they do go back, is it going to be the same unique sets they had, like the diamond formation, the jumbo set? The you know I mean, like a true, not true, but the, you know how they ran their offense last year. They'd be pistol. They'd be under center with two backs, a fullback, jump tight sets, one wide receiver. They have that's why I'm point like not necessarily the depth, but if they're bringing all these receivers, they have the extra tight end, the extra fullback, the extra H back to play those spots where they would play one receiver. And yeah. I, that, I mean, that's what I meant. Like, do they have those guys to go back to the offense? And you have a new OC, Calvin McGee. He's not, doesn't have the same, the playbook as before. Well, I guess he could with Davey, but you know, my point, it's not what he runs and why change it. That's the only way they'd be more competitive. Go back to that. But then again, they weren't getting that done last year with these mostly the same players. Well, it's a lot easier to retool on the fly when you have someone like a Khalil Tate which yeah. Calvin Miggy did at Arizona. Yeah. There is no Khalil Tate on this year's Lobos roster. No. So, I mean, I guess we'll see how things develop in, in the weeks to come. But if they have to go back to the drawing board at quarterback, that I think is it's going to throw a wrench into, you know, what looked a few weeks ago like they were, you know, a, like a promising new direction. Yeah, but I don't think I realized that. I, the UNLV game is weird, but they lose to Liberty bad. They lose to a bad CSU team. They get throttled by Fresno, Utah State. Had they lost to UNLV, my prediction of Bob Davey being fired by Halloween, Halloween probably would have been right. <laughs> I mean, but, I, I guess well, I guess we'll find out. We'll see, because I don't... I, the rest of the way, are they going to beat San Diego State? No. Air Force? No. Boise? No. Wyoming? I'll say no. That's probably the best chance for a win. I'm going to say no. All right. They're going to be 3-9, and nine, and I'll still put money on that Bob Davey's gone. Not 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 all because of coaching, but we know all the other crap that's been going on with them. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So next game, you called it. We called it. San Jose State fifty, not fifty, but UNLV thirty-seven. Well, actually, if I remember correctly, I picked UNLV to win this game. Oh, you did? Ah, dang it. So maybe, so maybe you called it. Well, I'll give you credit for that. Thank you, thank you very much. And also, that's why <laughs> Josh Love, Jordan Love, probably had the best week, but. I, I'm pretty sure Josh Love's going to be player of the week for the Mountain West Conference. First conference win of the year. 
335 yards, four TDs, one pick. This is an exciting game for most of like, yeah, it was a 50 to 37 game, 23 point difference, but it was a ton of offense. Max Gilliam looked like he could throw the ball well, but he had three terrible picks. So that was kind of what mostly did them in for the big picture type stuff. But this, mm-hmm. this is an exciting game back and forth in the first half is only three point difference. Oh, absolutely. And the only different, the only thing that changed this game was it, <coughs> excuse me, at the end of the, um, at the end of the half, sorry, they had the uh, the pick six is really the difference. It was 38-20, I guess, well, turnover and downs was a big deal for UNLV. I'm just kind of going backwards here because San Jose State scores. UNLV turns over and downs because they're about midfield. Let's go for it. They get the touchdown, so it's basically over a 17-point game. That was the really the actual difference, and there was an interception for a touchdown as well. Those were the probably the two big plays that kind of turned this thing around, but this is all... If you want a points, this is points, man. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it was not only points, but big plays on both sides too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it, I was really interested in the fact that you know UNLV seemed to be cultivating some new weapons. And this week, it was Tyler Collins who really stepped up for the Rebels. You know, nine catches, 174 yards, and four touchdowns. He, I mean, you yeah. talk about Josh Love having a having a, a say in this week's Offensive Player of the Week. You know, Collins was basically the best. I mean, he might have had been the best player on the field on Saturday in San Jose. Yep, good chance, yeah. Why not? And he's, and he's a true freshman. Yeah. But, you know, and of course, he, he wasn't the only guy pulling in big plays. Like Brandon Presley, six catches, 95 yards, including a big 40-yard play. You know, Trey Hartley had, you know, you know seven for 75. Trey Walker had five for 104. Ty Cottrell had a big 60-yard catch. And so, like, I just, like, I take a step back, and I think I wrote this on on our Twitter, but I'm, I'm this is what I talk about when I say that San Jose State is building towards something. Yeah, you're right. Completely and, right. And because, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily always pretty on the defensive side. Like, they didn't maybe get as much pressure on Jillian as you would hope. Like, they did hit him five times, but they only had one sack. But they made the Rebels one-dimensional. I would say for the most part, you know, they mostly held Lexington Thomas in check. He only had 61 yards on the day and they had 10 tackles for loss, including our good friend, Boogie Roberts, who had three by himself. There you go. Thank you. Good job. And they were, they were making big plays on both sides of the ball. Dakari Monroe had a pick six. Actually, didn't even two pick six or was that my imagination? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Okay. He only had one. He had two interceptions. It was in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It, it just—it seems like they were just making big plays left and right. So, obviously, it wasn't maybe a complete performance by any stretch, but they were very clearly the better team on both sides of the ball on Saturday afternoon. This is the—I'd I'd have to look. I should have looked up before, but I'm pretty sure this is the most points they've had since David Phillips was the quarterback. I'm pretty sure you're right. It has to be because they've been—they haven't been very good, even playing FCS teams. They haven't been this good, or at least offensively. But mm-hmm. you're right, like. Love, I was wrong on Montel Aaron because he, I thought he looked better last year. But Love is good. Tyler Evans, finally, good job, hundred yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so even Malik Roberson had sixty, what, sixty-three yards. They moved the ball well and did it in the air. Yeah, it's UNLV who hasn't been great, but this probably this is probably still going to be San Jose State's only win this year, I'm assuming. But what are they going to? Uh, let me see here really quick. Got to the schedule. Hey, they might. They there's a small chance it could beat Wyoming next week, maybe. But they beat they beat him last year. That's right. Oh, that's right. With uh, that was with Nick Smith starting, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Um. So what about UNLV? 
Um, is Tony Sanchez safe? I don't know, man. I mean, I was saying last week that if this team keeps falling apart like this, I think that his seat's going to get warmer and warmer. And losing to a winless team like San Jose State, even though I would say that if you if you paid close attention to the Spartans, you've seen them be pesky for basically a month straight. And it seemed like more national writers had started coming out of the woodwork and saying that on Saturday after the win. But I don't, I mean, I was a little skeptical about his chances to survive the year uh, coming into this game. And I really don't see an argument for saying that that's going to be any different at this point. If anything, it's probably worse now. Here's what I'll say. He's going to survive this year. Here's two two reasons why. One is Armani Rogers. He's not playing, and that really hurts this team quite a bit, more than we've ever thought. And also, can UNLV just cycle through coaches? Is this really a, a rebuild four years and get a new coach if they don't go to a bowl game within four years? Well, I mean, I think that they're maybe in a less high-stakes situation like Colorado State. Like, they obviously don't owe Sanchez $8 million, but uh, Ed Graney of the Las Vegas Review-Journal actually wrote about this after the loss. And he's signed through 2021 right now. And if he's fired before year five, they would owe his base salary over that span, which is about $900,000, in addition to some salaries of assistant coaches. So It's about 2.7, right? Yeah. But, I mean, UNLV isn't exactly known for always opening up the checkbook. So, I mean, they could be as stuck as the Rams are with, with Mike Bobo, like we talked about earlier. What, Furtada brothers aren't going to buy it out? <laughs> I would I would be very surprised. I mean, I think you can make the – I think that you could make the case either way. I think if you're looking for upside is that you're seeing that the offense is no longer looking hopeless. Like, even if they were turnover prone, Max Gilliam, you could maybe make the argument that he took another step forward because he did have the four yeah. touchdowns. But – you know, I think they're going to need to put something in the win column at some point for Sanchez to feel better about his job security. Yeah, I think you're right, that buyout money. And then I just don't think your team's at full strength. If you had Armani, like, okay, if they had Armani Rodgers, I'd, I'd be safe in saying they would have beaten, like how different would their schedule be? They probably would have beaten San Jose State. And yeah, or at least it would have been closer. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, no, I'll say they would have beat San Jose State. They probably with the way the outcomes were, Air Force probably could have win, been a win. I I have no clue what to make of the Mexico game because it's such a blowout. But I would give them two more wins and be at four and four at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then they're on track for a potential bowl game, maybe beating Hawaii and Nevada. Well, let's put it this way: I, the the AD at UNLV, Desiree Reed Francois, came out apparently yesterday and said that they would need to address the program, quote unquote, top to bottom. Also noted, new athletic director, so mm-hmm. can't feel all that safe key to Sanchez. So I guess we'll see. All right, next game. Actually, let's take a quick timeout real quick, then we'll finish these up, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, next game here, Boise State Air Force. Hey, do we need to give Boise a round of applause for the first ever win at Colorado Springs? Might as well, right? Polite, polite applause. Yes, victory, and it was, this game was um, – Something else, if you didn't watch this game, which you should have, definitely. You should watch every game, folks. That's what I'm saying. Do, do what was, you can. That was a fun game. It was because uh, who's John – who's this Hightower character? Where's he been all year? Where's he been hiding? What do you, what do you mean where's he I'm been? I'm kidding. He's I'm, been making highlight catches like week after week. I'm kidding. I'm just saying like how 
those the two first half touchdowns were amazing. So or was it three total? No, he had. I'm just saying he had a. He's had good games. He's had three touchdowns prior, but this game was a more of a breakout game where he has 182 receiving yards. That's what I'm getting at. Oh yeah. Not, not to say where he's at, but like he was. He's not the number one guy you think of when hey they're gonna pass the ball to Hightower every time. You think of other players on this team like Sean Monster or or somebody else catching the ball. It's not necessarily Hightower as your main guy, A.J. Richardson, but he came up big and had huge plays, and Air Force did all they could to win this game. Oh, yeah. And there was a couple stops. That was the the real difference in this matchup. There's a couple punts, because in the first half, it was back, like you made, I think as you on the handle on Twitter, whoever stops the team first is going to win. Yeah, the first six drives between both teams – 75 yards, 75 yards, 79 yards for touchdowns for Boise, 75, 75, <laughs> 75 for Air Force. That's what I call good football. Yeah. I don't care if you like defensive football, Daniel and Fresno. I like offense and I like this game a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so give me a – no, kidding. We're joking back and forth. But I like offense. And then you had the punt, punt, turnover. Like here's where I thought Air Force might have had the game a little bit. Not had the game, but okay. The, the, the big turnover on downs where Boise had to give it up at near midfield. I – why are they going for the fourth and forty when it's or fourth and fourteen? Like, why don't they pull a Randall Cunningham and do a pooch kick or something? I it just seemed weird to go for it on fourth and fourteen on their forty. Right, it's, it's like, hard. To, hard to say. I get it's close, but it's like, come on! It's like, it's just it's too many yards. It's for I know you don't want to punt it and have them get the ball to twenty, so it's like a. I guess maybe go for that deep pass and hope that gets it. If they pick it off, it's like a punt. I felt that was weird. And Air Force turns and goes, all right, see if folks will go 60 yards and get a touchdown. It was matched. But this game, like, this was just freaking nuts to watch these two teams. And also, hello, passing game for Air Force. Where'd this come from? Every I was watching the condensed game on this one. That's how I kind of caught up on it. Mm-hmm. Every time Air Force did a crossing route or a slant route, catch for a big play. It seemed like every time they ran that, Boise had no answer to stop that play. Well, not only that, did you see the halfback pass? Yes, I was about to mention that. Joseph, Joseph Saucier to Andrew Smith, who, by the way, we I think we mentioned him very briefly in our preview podcast, is replacing Ronald Cleveland in the starting lineup. Good job. Kudos. I, that that paid big dividends. Heck yeah, 50, or 32-yard touchdown reception, 57 total yards. Well, but, not only that, like if you look down the stat sheet, they were connecting on big plays oh, seemingly on every other pass they were throwing. Like, they had four. You know, Smith had the touchdown. Joseph Saucy had a 51-yard catch. Uh, Cade Wagusback had 37-yard catch. It was just, you know, they were both teams were landing a lot of haymakers. Yeah, I'm surprised they passed this much for how close the game was. Because typically you see Air Force pass a lot when they're down. Or... If it's well, I guess it's kind of like the Navy, well Navy game last year when they went back and forth, but it's just surprising well, where they get where they pass this much where they don't need to, but it worked because they whatever they found in Boise's defense they exploited and averaged twenty one yards per pass attempt from Sanders. Well, it was interesting too because I forget who had mentioned it on Twitter, but someone had made a note that Boise did a really effective job of taking the pitch away. Yeah, they did. Which, which is which is why Caden Remsburg, for instance, only had three carries. You know, and Taven Bird only had five carries. However, hold on real quick. The fullback dive was unstoppable. They could they they gave up. They allowed the fullback dive in favor of stopping the pitch plays, which I guess worked out in their favor. Well, and not only that, but Sanders himself was carrying a lot of the workload. Mm-hmm. Like they ran the ball what 50, 51 One. times. Four yards a carry, almost. Or actually, I guess it would be forty nine if you adjust for sacks. But you know, yeah, twenty six carries, one hundred ninety seven yards, and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a lot. You know, they were basically doing what they, you know, pretty much what they could with what Boise State was giving them, and it worked. It worked. And then on the other hand, Boise State, they was this their best offensive performance of the year? Would you say? I don't. Yeah, CSU was pretty dominant. Because I'm going to say this was the best offensive performance of the year. I, I'd say it's yes, it's one or two. I'd say and they, yeah, and I would also say they needed every bit of it. Oh yeah, Air Force every time there was anything they needed, like like I said, they turn over on downs, like crap, they don't score, they come back and match Air Force's touchdown. The field goal was like oh crap, we kick a field goal, but then the defense makes their probably this is probably the biggest difference. And there's two things in the game. The second half started, Air Force punts. That's a huge defensive play. Those two mm-hmm. first drives for Boise's defense, punts, four plays, and then three plays to punt. So that was in, and Boise turned those into 10 points, and then they matched field goal, field, then they matched points the rest of the way. And so that was probably the two biggest possessions in the game, and Boise State's defense stopped them. Because Air Force in the second half had only two good drives. That's it. Mm-hmm. The third one just ended the game because turnover on downs when you're trying whatever. I mean, I think I, it helps on the one hand that Alexander Madison was really able to break out for the first time, I don't know, maybe since the UConn game. Because he, he had 136 yards and in, in, in a touchdown, but it seemed like he was very close to, to several different you know, 15 or 20 yard or even more kind of runs against this Air Force defense. But honestly, like this was the best I've seen Brett Rivern play in a long time. Yeah, five, what, five touchdowns, nearly 400 yards passing, especially considering the past couple weeks where he wasn't playing his best. His past two games, kind of saw the bad Brett Rippon peering his head out the window. Because it seemed like you know every time they needed a clutch throw, Rippon had an answer for it. And, and, and I look at the fact that they were 7 of 12 on third downs especially – and and uh, what was it? One of two. They were they were one of two on fourth downs. But man, that fourth down play that they had to basically put the game away. It's huge. Yeah, it was just like he was just making big plays left and right, and just like throwing ropes to the first down marker, throwing you know on a line to the receivers running free down the field and things like that. It was just really remarkable to watch. All right, so. I did our bowl, our bowl rankings again. Air Force, I think they're going to go to a bowl game this year. You think so? And also, I should point out and mention that, not to give myself kudos, but it doesn't matter as quarterback for Air Force. They're going to be fine, I think. Well, and Air Force also has the benefit of if there are not enough bowl-eligible teams, yeah. let's not forget they're Number two. I think either first or second by well, APR. They're going to be first because Northwestern already Northwestern has, is going to get a bowl. Yeah, yeah, so they're next in line. And so I put them in this week, the seven bowl games, because next week they can win the Commander-in-Chief. They're not favored versus Army, but they're favored versus New Mexico, Wyoming, and CSU. Really only got to win two of those to go to a bowl game. Assuming mm-hmm. there's not enough teams. It seems like past couple of years there's not enough teams. Yeah. So there's that to look forward to. And bo- except earlier in the show, Boise has, still has a chance. Like, do not count them out of getting maybe either the conference title because all they got to do is beat Utah State and they own tiebreaker and they have it. I oh, say definitely. Only, yeah. I say only, but that's like the simplest solution. And then we'll see how it goes when they, if they play the title game, and then what the rest of the league does because they have chance for potentially three played three top twenty five teams in the season. Yeah, I mean you, to be the, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ, right? That's right. All right, let's go to the next game here. We have the is this your game, your Fresno game in Hawaii? Yeah, we can talk about that one. Okay, so that kick six was something else, wasn't it? 
that entire game was something else. They, you were right. Like, not to say you were not going to be right on this, but their offense is turning the corner. Not was well, they've been good all year, but this is a, kind of another level for this game, right? The running game finally showed up. I would say, right, better than it has been all year with Ronnie Rivers with that one twenty five turnout with, mm-hmm. yeah, seventy six yarder. But offense like McMarion, they got to bring in the backup who did quite well, five of seven sixty four, and. As much as Fresno State won this game, what is up with Hawaii? Is it just because people kind of figure them out? Or what do you think? That, not to make this a Hawaii thing, but Fresno well, are State... We, are, we talking, are we talking more about the offense or about the defense right now? I because saying, I think I think the biggest thing that betrayed him in this game was the defense. Well, yeah, offense wasn't because, that great, though, either. Yeah, I mean, but I think it helps to start with the defense, if only because I think they badly missed Jelani Tabai. Yeah, he was out again. And... You know, when you just if you watched the game, you saw that McMarion seemed like he had all kinds of time to throw all night long. You know, they had zero quarterback hits, they had zero sacks, and they had exactly one tackle for loss. And you know, how many how many plays did Fresno run on offense? Seventy one. So I I mean I think you have to start there, which is the fact that Hawaii had basically no presence up front to stop the running game or the passing game. No, you're right. They couldn't do. There was nothing. They, they could not stop this team to save their lives. So their best chance was to hopefully go point for point, and they could not do that. I mean, they almost did for a little while. And and there were you know some other people on the timeline who were mentioning that, you know, because Fresno State rarely gets beaten deep down the field. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Hawaii did have that, you know, 50-yard connection from Cole McDonald to JoJo Ward where he was like five or six yards behind the nearest defender. They just, you know, they found him, they made the connection, and it, yeah, at that point I think it was like 14 to 10. And then they came back and responded with that river 76-yard run, and it was basically over after that. And I think some of it comes down to the fact that they really clamped down on Hawaii's running game, you know. Cole McDonald was the guy who ended up leading the team in rushing. He had 62 yards. But, you know, Dayton Peruta was pretty quiet. He only had five carries on the evening. Um, you know, Miles Reed, who I guess has been eating a little more of the playing time from Freddie Hawley, he only had five carries because they needed to try and throw and catch up. And McDonald was, you know, he was okay, I guess. You know, 17 of 28, 225 yards, touchdown and interception. But that's a far cry from where they were in September. No, it certainly is. That's what I was kind of wondering, like, is it a – I don't, I don't know. It's Fresno's really good. I would, it's part of it is their defense is bad, but the offense, it's like I could see them getting big plays like they did. That doesn't shock me. So anybody says they're shocked that they beat Fresno secondary shouldn't be just because Hawaii's receivers are really good. And their mm-hmm. offense does that to teams when you're running four guys out there wide out. Somebody's going to get beat. When you, when you have single coverage for 85% of the plays because of the number of receivers they put out there, somebody's going to get downfield open, whether they catch it or not. Or they see it, it's going to happen at least once a game, and it happened that one time, that long pass. I mean, let's put it this way. The offense was averaging about 6.1 yards per play, which is fine, you know, and they had a success rate of 41%, which is fine. But Fresno was averaging just a shade under 8 yards per play. Yeah. And their own success rate was 63%. And, oh, by the way, they won the turnover battle too. Plus two, So, yeah. yeah, so... You know, all those things added up. It's just, you know, Hawaii's still got some talent, but they're just, they've looked more erratic in the last three or four weeks than they did in September. 
And, you know, when the defense just doesn't have it, it puts a lot of pressure on the offense. And when the offense doesn't have it, they just don't have a chance. All right, let me ask you this. Is Hawaii going to make a bowl game? Oh, I think they'll still make a bowl game because I think that there's still opportunities on the schedule to get that seventh win. They have one opportunity on the schedule. You think so? Do you know who they play the next three weeks? Well, I know they're at another home versus Utah State next week. Yes. Also, on that game, really quick, if you're in the Utah area, it's going to be on, lo- on local TV, KJAS 14. So, boom. Good for and you. then, uh, what is it? Uh, home versus UNLV? That's it right there. That's, that's all, probably right that's there. That's all they got. They're not beating I mean, Diego I also State. would not discount their, their finale at San Diego State either. I will. We'll talk We'll talk more about the Aztecs in a minute. All right. Should we get to the next game here? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, sorry. Because I got to... It's uh, past our time to talk to Eli for basketball at the moment, so we got to go to hustle. All right, there. well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll hustle. We go last game of the day. Um, San Diego State, like I said, skate skating out the nice. What's that game called? It's not Kerpl- I guess they played Kerplunk, right? Is that what the game? Or there's the the skating ice game where you pull the take the little hammer to don't break the ice. Is that what it's called? I think it's just called don't break the ice. <laughs> Some, <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't think of it, but that's what happened. They finally somebody finally somebody took the wrong step and they fell through and lost. Yeah, because this game, like Nevada, is the thing of this game. Which, by the way, twenty eight twenty four. Nevada's defense stepped up big in this game. Oh yeah, which you would never; those words would never come out of my mouth ever, except for saying, "Hey, Malik Reed had like six TFLs in the game or something." This game, first half was well. They'll start the second half. They shut out San Diego State in the second half. Oh yeah, it was, uh, and they scored thirteen points to win. Obviously, twenty eight twenty four. They were stopping, like, San Diego State was trying. They didn't run the ball very very well. Well, I wouldn't say that, but they just didn't get any touchdowns on their ground game. It wasn't consistent. Yeah, Jasmine and Bell combined for about 160. But in the second half, when they needed plays, like, they were going three and out, three and out. Outside of the field goal and one touch. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong, wrong quarter here. Sorry, I'm looking at the first half. They punt on every single possession except for one. Mm-hmm. They were not getting any drives, and they're going three plays. They did. They had a couple first downs occasionally, but they only had, I think, th- th- what three first downs in the second half. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Because they had three possessions of six or, uh, six or more plays, and they just couldn't get it done. They were like, they had okay, they had thirty nine. Okay, pass incomplete. Agnew. They're going like oh fourth and thirty eight. What are we gonna do? Incomplete pass to Chance Bell. They were not getting the passing plays they needed. They had third and long, third and. Longer than five yards, which is not a gimme first down. Like every third down they had, they were it was third and long. Essentially, or third in not I guess not third and short. If you get my point, like third in, yeah, third and ten or plus. Or penalties killed them in the first half. Like in the first position, second half, touchdown. Okay, they try to respond. Third, third and five, they get freaking penalty illegal formation after a completed pass for fourteen yards. Mm-hmm. So had they if there not been a penalty there, they may have gone down and scored some points. Nevada takes advantage and gets a field goal. The second half, the offense just was stuffed and stymied. stymied and Nevada just kind of, okay, we'll score a touchdown here. Ty Gangy had a pretty good game because the running game was non-existent for Nevada. Yeah, I mean, this if it's it's very rare that the Wolfpack get outgained on a per-play basis by a yard and a half in and, a winning game. And to San Diego State as well. Yeah, so I mean, it's really fascinating. Like, if you look at the the football study hall box scores, like San Diego State had the advantage on yards per play. Mm-hmm. They had the advantage of success rate, and it wasn't insignificant either. It was forty four to thirty two percent. You know, they took better advantage of their scoring opportunities. But you know, you point to the two turnovers first and foremost as being really big turning points, and the fact that 
they they basically turned Ryan Agnew into and I made the joke on on my own Twitter timeline. Ryan Agnew in the second half looked like I usually used to play NCAA fourteen, <laughs> just like no internal clock whatsoever. Yeah, and it was just like I was watching him. He would just like bounce on his feet, like waiting for something to happen. I'm like, you got to move, man. And it was just it was he was just not the same quarterback after halftime. And I think that that's a credit to the Nevada defense for put, alternately putting a lot of pressure on him because. In the first half, they were running a lot of bootlegs. I don't know if you noticed that or not. I saw a couple, yeah. And then they kept doing it in the second half, but Nevada, I think, was figuring out, figuring that out. And so they were flushing him to the sideline a lot, and it seemed like he was throwing a lot of floaters up there. And you know, with the uh, the the th- some of the throws that he was right on the money with in the first half, like the the touchdown that he threw to Kale Waring, you know, those throws just weren't there after halftime. And to the, to the point that it just, you know, they weren't able to do anything on offense. But, I mean, it's also a situation where the Aztecs had plenty of opportunities to put this game away or at least put themselves in a position to steal it one more time. And what really stood out to me was, I, I think it was either the last drive or the next to last drive. Parker Baldwin had an interception. Oh. Right in his hands. Yes. And he, you know, he just he dropped it. Couldn't come down with it. And so, and then I think it was that they ended up getting the ball back on offense anyway. But there was a huge field position swing right there. That, you know, I think it was right after that Quentin Conaway pinned the Aztecs on their own one yard line. That was the story of the night, man. Punny and jeez. Yeah. Field position. Yeah. By the way, if you didn't read uh, my latest article on the week's winners and losers, Conaway was a part of the week's winners. Punter so, credit. Pumping, hey, punters are winners too. Hey, when you pin him that deep every time, and you make this Aztec offense have to go the whole field, that doesn't happen very often. Whether it's successful going eighty plus yards on the drive to get points. Yeah, and that was the other big point in this game is that Nevada had an average field position advantage of nearly ten yards, which even with the offense was scuffling. It also meant that the Aztecs had to do more on average to try to work their way down the field. And then especially after halftime, like you mentioned it, their luck just ran out. It did. So looking at the standings really quick, San Diego State's still in good position because they still play Fresno State, correct? Yes. They – this is <laughs> – do you want to know an interesting side just like that? What's that? They have scored only 80 points in conference play. They that doesn't had, surprise you, does it? Well, what surprises me is that's as many as Wyoming has as well, and they're tied for huh. last. Interesting. So, I mean, no, not them out, but it sort of does when looking around. Everybody's in triple digits. They've only allowed seventy-one, which is amazing, and a third of those came in this one game. So, conference play, they're still in prime position to win the division, and I believe they're getting all the guys back. Like Chapman, Washington, all should be back next week. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. Agnew just made the best argument for going back to Chapman than anybody could make. <laughs> Good point. And, yeah, so we'll see what they do the rest of the way. So they're not out of by any stretch of the imagination. They have a similar, almost a similar situation to Boise State to get back in this thing. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know if they'll have the opportunities to get to – well, I guess if they beat Fresno, who's ranked, and say it's Utah State, they're ranked. Yeah, they have the – two losses really hinders them for that, but they – they have opportunities when they have New Mexico, UNLV, Fresno, and Hawaii. So, yeah, I would say they're probably like the most outsidery of outsiders right now. Yeah, they have a couple big games to if things go wild. 
they're in there, right? Mm-hmm. All, all you got to do, really, just win your conference and see what happens. Pretty much. All right. Any other lasting notes we need to discuss about uh, week nine? No, I think we're all set. Week week Ted's coming up. Like I said, we'll have our playoff prediction, playoff poll coming out. You can come yell at us on Twitter or give us a pat in the back at MWC Wire. We are all over the place tweeting whatever we want to because that's what we do, right? Absolutely. We're not some RSS feed because we are social media means we're social, right? We talk back and forth to people. Yes. Even if we disagree and UCF fans came out in force to try to do something this weekend. I don't know what it was, but they try hard, right? Oh, yeah. They're a try hard bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll just stick it there. Uh, but if you like our show, give us a subscription over at iTunes. Tune in. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, Spreaker, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out, mwwire.com. We'll be back next week to talk week 10 and complain about the player rankings, folks.